0: Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got a special look at business stories behind stocks and move. I'm Corey Johnson with episode number 196. Today in The Drill Down, we are gonna look at the chaos being caused by Silicon Valley Bank, its collapse, what it might mean for other companies as well. Indeed, we're gonna hear from the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank. We've got some fresh news from a very important bank, Washington Federal Bank, and the CEO is gonna join us in a little bit. But we're gonna listen to a couple of companies Tell us a lot about what's going on in the world of finance right now because it's
1: changing. You're going to want to hear all this right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. Never miss another critical event or insight ever with Era. Customize your company watch lists and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's Era A-I-E-R-A dot com. And there are so many ways to listen to The Drill Down, including
0: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeart. Tune in, but hit the subscribe button catch every single show
1: and the drill down is brought to you by brain trust a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands brain trust has helped clients like bank of america goldman sachs porsche under armor and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost visit braintrust.com that's b-r-a-i-n-t-r-u-s-t dot com to learn more all right i'm corey johnson welcome to the drill
0: down we explain the business stories behind stocks in a move and boy Isaac Webster, executive producer. Boy, are stocks moving today, uh, none none more so than uh, Silicon Valley Bank.
1: Yeah, very big day, and I'm very glad we were able to have this special edition of the show. So, I mean, I think I can answer this, but what stocks are you drilling down on today, Corey?
0: Well, uh, on your suggestion, we are going to look at some uh, banking stocks, some business development companies, some companies that are impacted by Uh, what's going on with the failure of Silicon Valley Bank. And I have to tell you that sitting here in in the Ferry Building, surrounded by all these entrepreneurs who are starting businesses, many of the people uh, on the same floor as me bank with their companies, bank with Silicon Valley Bank. They have uh, investments from Silicon Valley Bank, uh, which is a very active investor in the sector. Didn't we as well? Uh, Perhaps. Full disclosure. The the role of Silicon Valley Bank in Silicon Valley um, is tremendous. Uh, including not just the banking, but venture lending, venture partners, uh, getting financing from the bank for their personal uh, investments into their own funds. Uh, it is an intricate uh, web. And we're going to look a little bit at that and uh, in all the stocks we drill down in today and a special interview with another regional bank that also has a huge concentration, not in technology and commercial real estate, but we're going to get a look at Washington Federal in a little bit with the CEO there. That company has a a huge concentration in commercial real estate. We're going to talk about what that kind of concentration can, how it can add risk uh, to a banking balance sheet.
1: So let's get started. Silicon Valley Bank uh, its you know, it really is entangled with everybody there in the Valley. Is that correct to
0: say? I, I don't know if about everybody, but it, it's, uh, there's nothing like it, I think, anywhere else in the economy where this one bank really does have a lot to do with a lot of venture. I'm, I'm getting, uh, even as we speak right now, my, my instant messenger's lighting up with a venture friend of mine uh, who's who's canceling all of his, his phone's ringing off the hook, uh, talking to all of his founders, meeting with all of his boards. Uh, It's a crazy day. Yeah, and
1: it did trade under SIVB and his shares collapsed this week. It wiped out some $80 billion of value from the bank shares. Yeah, so let's drill down on Silicon Valley Bank.
0: Sad day down there in Santa Clara. Um, uh, you know, as you mentioned, they, they've they've just you know this is one of the twenty largest banks in the country, um, and uh, a zero now in terms of its market value as the, as the uh, Fed step on to uh, try to save this business, but the the appeal of Silicon Valley Bank and the CEO Greg Becker, who I've met, super nice guy, um, you know, it was that they are just really attached at the hip to the growth of uh, technology of anything going on in the world of technology or in, whether it's life sciences and biotech or it's AI and robotics, um, I found a, a soundbite actually of Greg Becker talking about their business, the sectors that they are in and um, uh, the how they're trying to uh, uh, really attach themselves to that kind of growth. That was the sexy sizzle on, on a stake of a balance sheet that apparently wasn't what it seemed to be. Uh, but from just a, a few weeks ago uh, at a Morgan Stanley conference, here is CEO from Silicon Valley Bank, Greg Becker
2: what we, we as an institution so love about the innovation economy because it's not focused in one, in one sector. You can't say, gosh, if it's just this sector and all the companies in that sector are going to be doing you know, really, really well. So I, I think about it this way. I think about it from a horizontal perspective, and then I think you can look at almost like a, a vertical that cuts across. And there's certain technologies that are actually both horizontal and vertical. AI, machine learning would be in those, in those categories. But when you go across there, um, you can look at, um, you know, robotics and manufacturing is clearly one that I think is gonna be really huge. And given the, all the um, headcount and the hard problem with trying to find, you know, good employees and all those things, um, it's gonna be, they need to automate. And so that automation is massive. There are so many robotics companies out there, and I think that's really gonna be an industrial revolution um, across, the, across the world that's a big, big, big market. Um, AI, we can talk about for hours about um, what the forecast is on that and how big that's going to be. That's going to be a very interesting one. Yep. But then, again, what we're optimistic about it literally is you can look at every vertical. You can look at ag tech, you can look at fintech, you can look at clean tech, you can look at med tech, personalized medicine. You literally go across the entire stack. There's exciting things in every single category. So for me, if you had to pick a couple, I would say in the next, 12, 24 months, no question that AI is going to get a lot of attention. So that's that's one. And then I just would say um, industrial automation would be another one that I think is really important and robotics that follows that.
0: So, you know, that's how people would look at this company. They didn't look at the balance sheet uh, as much as they looked at the kinds of um, uh, exciting trends that this company might be attached to. Uh, The balance sheet apparently was a mess and uh, couldn't withstand the withdrawals they faced in the last few days. When a lot of, you know, again, I'm talking to friends and they're, they're saying, hey, get your money out, not just individuals, but telling their companies that they have a fiduciary responsibility to protect the venture money that they've raised and move it somewhere safer. Now, the contagion effect has been really interesting. Uh, we've seen a lot of companies, uh, banks out here and, and business development companies uh, take these hits all because of the, the risks that Silicon Valley Bank uh, has taken in recent years.
1: So what does this tell us about the overall health of the Valley? Are we going to be seeing more layoffs? I don't know,
0: and, and, and uh, certainly, and I'm sure we'll learn a lot more over the course of the next uh, few days and weeks. But I think that some of the knock-on effects are going to be ugly because you've got a lot of um, intricate financings uh, w- w- uh, with venture partners, for example, who have to put money into a venture fund. They're often the venture partners have to put money into their own fund when they raise a new fund, and they'll borrow money from Silicon Valley Bank to do so. And so and then some Silicon Valley executives will get special deals because they know the guys at Silicon Valley Bank and Silicon Valley Bank will get into deals that they want to get into. So I think uh, when this unfolds, it's going to be really sticky and we're going to see some really weird knockout effects. And and indeed, that is the, uh, the uh, well, terror is a strong word, but I think there's a lot of worry in Silicon is Valley today. Is there
1: a bank or a lender of some sort in position, or maybe there's more than one, to fill this void after a Silicon Valley Bank is gone?
0: There is no one else who does what Silicon Valley Bank did. Flat out, There's just not another bank out there that does anything like this. That is so ingrained into the culture of Silicon Valley.
1: So who is, Nobody. where is venture firm X going to turn?
0: Who are they going to call? I talked to a venture capitalist about 15 minutes ago who said uh, he uh, he was uh, about to get a really big check. He had a direct deposit wire going to Silicon Valley bank. And he said, uh, can you please uh, send me the check in the mail? And then he's, <laughs> he's moving his money to Chase.
1: Chase. Okay. With That's- the notion
0: that it's too big to fail. He doesn't like the customer service at Chase. He doesn't like dealing with all the things you got to deal with at Chase, but he sure uh, uh, thinks that they're not going to let that one go away.
1: Corey, what is your next drill down? Let's look at a business development company called Triple Point Venture Growth. Triple Point Venture Growth trades under TPVG and shares have dropped 7% over the past month and have dropped 36% over the past year. Tell us about Triple Point Venture. And taking a
0: huge, you know, and
1: down 9% today. Right.
0: Yeah. And an insane day (laughs) of trading. Why? Because these guys lend money to startup companies. I mean, uh, uh, it's a business development company, it's about a billion dollar enterprise value. They uh, loan out money to venture backed companies, Uh, companies in, uh, you know, and these are, are, this is debt, right? This is not um, uh, equity investments, but they've got loans out to uh, technology companies, software. Uh, business application software, big data, cloud computing, data storage, you know, um, uh, internet, media, hardware, networking, uh, and so. If there is a problem there, if Silicon Valley Bank is telling us there's a problem there, you'd think that problem, those problems, might show up at, at Triple Point Venture. So, on their last conference call, which is going back way back in time, nine days ago, on uh, March first, um, these guys uh, came out and were asked about some deals that went bad, and interestingly they were talking about how Silicon Valley Bank was actually on the hook big time when there's a collapse of an online digital pharmacy called Medley. It went bankrupt, uh, at the, uh, I think, in February. Um, not, nothing I was paying much of attention to um, in February of last year. Yeah, I haven't heard of Medley. You know. so, sorry, it filed for bankruptcy December uh, 2022. The assets were, were taken out, uh, what assets there were left. Um, they, they had 1,100 workers. Pretty big deal. They had backing from... Uh, venture firms like Greycroft and Volition Capital. But uh, there were apparently some ugly things that came out in bankruptcy court. But it was interesting to listen to the executives at Triple Point Venture Growth, James Lab, and their CIO, uh, Sajal Srivista. And they talked about the problems with Medley uh, and how Silicon Valley Bank was really left holding the bag as well as these guys. Here's their comments from March 1st.
2: There was actually a uh, a little bit more to it than that. Medley, um, if, if you're not familiar, was a digital pharmacy and delivery business, and they did raise significant equity dollars in uh, creative acquisition and, and revenue scale. And there were a number of lenders uh, uh, also caught up in this, in, including Silicon Valley Bank uh, with a healthy exposure, but. Um, It's an ongoing case in in, uh, legal matters. I'm not able to elaborate much further at this time, um, but we are, you know, moving forward with the portfolio and putting that behind. Yeah, and and maybe just to clarify, it it was a failed uh, kind of debt financing, and then there was additional financing that the inside investors, as well as us, put together to finance a uh, a plan to profitability for the company, but it was post that financing from existing investors and us when it, um, some of the improprietary uh, activity that uh, Jim had talked about, that the bankruptcy financings
0: fil- filings had mentioned were, were discovered. And that's when uh, things imploded. So some hints in the wind that Silicon Valley Bank was taking some losses. Now, indeed, the problems at Silicon Valley Bank may purely be about how they managed uh, treasury debt and whether they were too long um, in the yield curve. The yield curve turned upside down. We've had this extreme move in the yield curve uh, in recent days even, and that probably hit them as much as some bad investments and some loans gone bad. But uh, uh, no, there were some hints that there was was some smoke and it turns out, yeah, at Silicon Valley Bank, at least there was a fire. Triple point venture, the stock down a lot, but uh, seems to be sidestepping these problems. At least that's what they say. Corey, what is your next drill down? Look at another business development company, Portman Ridge Finance, a $500 million company on the East Coast.
1: Portman Ridge Finance trades under PTMN and shares have dropped 4% this week ending March 10th today. And shares are lower by 10% over the past 12 months. Tell us about Portman Ridge Finance.
0: Exactly. And again, this is another business development company doing you know first tier loans, second lien loans, subordinated debt, whatever. Investors like these things because they're paying big dividends. In this case, about an 11% dividend. But if you get an 11% dividend and the stock goes down 15%, you're not making any money. So uh, these guys uh, uh, invest with industrial companies, hardware companies, real estate, automotive, agriculture, even. Typically, they'll put anywhere from uh, uh, you know one to 20 million dollars into these portfolio companies, and the companies that they're uh, in their portfolio are doing five to 25 million in EBITDA. At least that's what they say. Uh, to investors, we know we'll, these things sometimes come out in the wash. But uh, in a recent, uh, they actually had a conference call this morning for their quarterly results, and were asked about Silicon Valley Bank and what how this ripples through the financial system. Indeed, just as I said, I'm here. I'm, or I'm getting the text messages from my, my friends in venture capital and other companies where all the boards are meeting and trying to figure out what to do and where their exposure might lie. Well, here is Portman Ridge Finance CEO, Ted Goldthorpe, speaking this morning about how this deal is affecting them.
2: Yeah. any time something like this happens, you know, we're always very focused on the knock-on effects. You know, we um, we called and spoke to a number of our portfolio companies both last night and this morning, and I think it's a little too early to um, to assess, but obviously, um, you know, there, there will be some flow-through effects on, on certain tech businesses, given they're a big lender there, as well as a uh, whole lot of the cash. Um, and then we're looking at other knock-on effects, too, in terms of, you know, if they're Having to sell securities at big discounts, um, you know, how, how does that how does it, that ripple through the rest of the financial markets? <clears throat> I would say if you look at our portfolio, we think again, we don't think this is going to. As of right now, we don't think this is going to have really any material impact on our portfolio, um, unless there's you know other unforeseen things that that happen because of it.
0: So Isaac, so there you have it. You know, uh, this the the ripples of Silicon Valley Bank failing. Um, Probably, I would argue, greater than almost any other bank in terms of picking a certain industry. There's no automotive bank that's so exposed like this. There's no real estate bank exposed like this, except Washington Federal. Washington Federal is a Seattle-based bank that has a, a higher concentration of commercial real estate than almost any other bank out there. We're going to talk to the CEO and his first comment since the failure of Silicon Valley Bank. Or, uh, and we wanted to hear let you hear this incredible story from Brent Beardall. The CEO of Washington Federal, Brent Beardle, also an incredible story of how he survived a plane crash just a few weeks ago. That story, right after this.
1: The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com. That's dot com to learn more. All right, welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. As promised,
0: we've got a great guest today. I mean, we always have great guests, but really great today. We've got Brent Beerhold joining us. He's the uh, CEO of um, a, a bank, well, just CEO of any bank right now would be a really interesting conversation, given what's in the news. Uh, but in, in particular, Washington Federal, Seattle-based bank. Um, uh, Brett, how's the bank? I got to ask you because of because of the news about Silvergate and the the shocking news about Silicon Valley Bank. I say this, but not least of which, because I'm in Silicon Valley.
3: Yeah, no, it, it is shocking news, and uh, the bank is in phenomenal shape. We're doing very, very well. Uh, asset quality is high. We're continuing to bring in deposits. Uh, We've got a 105 year track record of being consistent uh, for our clients. And so we are disappointed to see the news and I'm sure we'll get into both of these in terms of Silvergate and Silicon Valley. It is never a good thing for the industry. Uh, Clearly some mistakes were made and I think we all hope to learn from those, but it's it's a bad day for the banking industry because we are all about confidence. And uh, whenever we have depositors that don't have confidence in the industry, that's a bad thing.
0: So uh, technology banking, um, Silicon Valley Bank is a, is a unique uh, entity for those of us in Silicon Valley, for those of us who've been involved in, in venture, venture-backed startups, uh, uh, some of the biggest companies in technology and life sciences, all bank Silicon Valley. A lot of the venture partners, both bank and and get loans from Silicon Valley Bank. But the innovation economy, if you will, uh, is a big deal in you know, where you are in Seattle. Uh, it's a really big deal for the businesses that invest. It's a lot of big deal for the individuals. How exposed are you to those kinds of uh, businesses that might be looking for a place? It might be, uh, who knows? I mean, I, I've moved some money today that I didn't think I was going to move. Um, I wonder if uh, the, you're seeing deposits increase from, from technology firms that are looking for a safe uh, uh, place to go, or the opposite, they're freaking out and putting it into their mattress.
3: Yeah, well, I think the reality is some of both industry wide. I, w- I was just looking at the 10 year is down yesterday. The 10 year bond was at about 4% and right now it's at 3.72, right? So that tells you that overall, people are saying, people are saying, hey, let's put money in U.S. government securities. Uh, so I, I think that's what's happening uh, here at Wafed. We're answering a whole lot of phone calls uh, about people wanting to open accounts uh, because of our stability. And in terms of exposure to uh, you know, the tech sector, very little exposure from the loan side. We have uh, a good amount of deposits, which are a, a good thing. But we, unlike Silicon Valley Bank, we, we don't lend heavily in the tech sector. And I think one thing that's really important to note here is, at least from the surface, and there'll be a lot of digging that happens on this, it doesn't appear that the issue was the lending to the tech sector, what it appears is a balance sheet mismanagement on uh, part of Silicon Valley Bank. They had such an influx in deposits over the last couple of years, they didn't have the loans to invest those in. So they went out and they invested those deposits in long-term securities. And when the Fed started increasing rates, those securities went down in value. So that appears to be their biggest challenge, at least uh, from my perspective.
0: And and I do think that the... Uh, um... Oh, I'll say it. The East Coast media, which I've been an employer of, of an employee of quite often, but wants to throw technology uh, uh, kind of uh, out with the bathwater and um, wants to say this is a technology problem, not a not a, a balance sheet management problem that could happen with any bank.
3: Yeah, you, you, you know what? I, you and I are on the same page. This is not a technology problem. Uh, from my perspective, this was simply a balance sheet management problem uh, when rates were so low. Uh, they decided to take more risk in terms of interest rate risk. And then with the Fed moving more aggressively than they moved in, what, the last 25 years, they were they were caught upside down. And then I, I thought it was very interesting. And again, I know what you know. I'm no in, insider information here. But I thought it was very interesting. Their announcement yesterday that they raised $2.5 billion of capital and, and or debt. And then they announced they're going to write off $2 billion. We are in the business of confidence and if you raise money and then write it off, it leaves everybody scratching their heads.
0: Yeah. Um, and then we also had Silvergate, which is a different story. And um, I, I've had no financial position in, in either um, Silicon Valley Bank or Silvergate, although I was trying to short Silvergate in my personal account and couldn't get the borrow. Was to be clear. So I did do a lot of homework on that one. Um, and there are a lot of issues there, too, but uh, not least of which was a was, um, uh, event. Uh, similarly... A, a lot of venture-like investments in this case in crypto in Silicon Valley Bank venture investments into into startup companies.
3: Yeah, you know, and and um, I'm not an expert on Silvergate at all. I, I always looked uh, with curiosity at Silvergate from a BSA standpoint, um, Bank Secrecy Act, and yes, knowing uh, your customers oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and how sure. they could fulfill their obligations under you know, federal banking regulations to know their customers with cryptocurrency that's by its nature designed so you don't know the ultimate ownership. So uh, that's the one yeah. that always puzzled
0: me. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll beg to differ a little bit on this. Bitcoin's about as traceable as the most traceable form of money in the history of money. But regardless, um, uh, well, well, in both well, it, cases,
3: it, 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 yes. it, it can be, but it, it but, do you have access to that, right? I, I totally agree with you that it can be, but do you have access to that information as, as the bank?
0: So let's put the, uh, the, the, the merits of crypto aside, but um, in both cases, you had very heavy industry concentration. And you uh, at Washington uh, also have a big concentration in commercial real estate, yes?
3: We, we certainly do. But the, the majority of our commercial real estate is shelter-based where people live. So it's it's not like we have a huge exposure to office space in Los Angeles or any one city, right? It our our exposure is shelter based because we know people need a place to live and we're bel- believers. You look at the areas that uh, we lend into, we have net immigration and I believe we will have net immigration into those areas. So that's why we're a believer in commercial real estate specifically housing based
0: Given that you have, in, of all of the banks in all the country, if one of the biggest concentrations in 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 that sector, what do you like about it?
3: Yeah, no, I, I I like the fact that people need a place to live, and people are are moving in, and you've seen what's happened to rents. and Affordability is a huge issue. Uh, the last thing people will give up, they'll give up their uh, you know subscription services to you know pay per view, so forth. Uh, But they need a place to live. So that's when when things get tough, people tend to make whatever payment they need to to keep a roof over their head. So to me, that's why uh, multifamily has been such a great asset classes class over the years, even in 08 and 09, when single family had the issues, uh, you know, for uh, ownership uh, homes, multifamily did not. Because you saw people having to leave single family houses that at the time they had all these liar loans and the different problems getting uh, with right, single right. family that caused the 0809. But then people went to apartments because, again, they need a place to live. So I, I'm a big believer in multifamily over the long term. I think we've had outsized increases in rents. Uh, And that's not sustainable, but I think you're going to see long-term continued increases in um, multifamily rents just because of the demographics.
0: If you'd asked me five years ago to predict the scale, the scope, or the direction of rents in San Francisco, or again, this is where we're here in the belly of the beast of Silicon Valley, uh, I would have looked out the window here in, in the Ferry Building in San Francisco and said, those rents are going in one direction straight up, and they're not. They're coming down. Uh, now. And they're coming down kind yeah. of dramatically in a place where it didn't seem like that would be possible. And we've had this tectonic change in the way people work. I mean, you're in your home office right now, right? That might not have been a thing uh, uh, four years ago. Um, and we've seen people f- uh, leaving, in this case, Silicon Valley, even San Francisco in particular. Um, but those rents have come down. And, and I wonder if you're exposed to that kind of change.
3: It, it, we're We're all exposed somewhat to that kind of change. But the reality is, if you look at our markets, the eight states we serve, we are the beneficiaries of the people leaving the Silicon Valleys, the, the San Francisco's, the Los Angeleses of the world. They're going to places like Boise, Idaho, like Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, like uh, you name it, um, you know, uh, Beaverton, Oregon, right? All of these places where we have had a long presence you're seeing net immigration into those markets. And could I have predicted it? No, but we, we've been the beneficiary of that. As people have said, hey, we're gonna take the salaries that we can make in these large metropolitan areas, and then we're gonna to move to a lower cost of living with a higher quality of life and still have the same job.
0: The um, uh, Federal Reserve uh, in their in their minutes uh, recently specifically cited concentration of CRE loans and commercial real estate loans um, as a risk in the banking system, what would you like to tell them that they're not hearing or that maybe they're not getting?
3: Well, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the last person to tell the Federal Reserve they're wrong. There's, there's a whole lot of really smart people. Oh, come on, even morons uh, like me what, have told them they're wrong. But <laughs> that know what they're talking about. But here's my point. There, this commercial real estate covers such a wide spectrum and you can't group all commercial real estate. You know, a speculative ski development, uh, you know, n- name it where, wherever it's at, that's a commercial real estate loan. An apartment loan in Phoenix, Arizona, that's a commercial real estate loan. Those two loans have very, very different risk characteristics. So you have to look beyond the headline number. You have to actually understand what's in the portfolio. And back to my point that the vast majority of our portfolio is, you know, shelter based.
0: What do you do to make sure you're making your loans good? What are you doing in terms of your analysis of the people you're lending to or the, the companies you're lending to?
3: Yeah, so there's there's all kinds of financial analysis we do in terms of, you know, how much uh, margin for error. And that's really what we look at and we say, okay, what are the projections and how how far off could they be and, and still be okay. But at the end of the day, the most important thing we can do as a bank is to find the right partners and look at partners that really understand that they don't want to seek maximum leverage because the people that seek maximum leverage, they don't have that margin for error. Uh, we've been around for 105 years, and we know that things aren't going to go as we anticipate. So, how much margin for error do do they have, and and what's their track record? How do they act? Right? Are they are they the clients that quickly say, okay? Hey, bank. Here's a problem. It's your problem. Or are they clients that say, Hey, here's a problem. Bank, work with me. How can we how can we work through this problem together? And that's what we're after is long term partners that say we understand the market is going to go up and down, and we understand we're going to pay you know our obligation back to you bank. It may not be exactly as we anticipated going in, but we're in this for the long haul.
0: Um, you are back in the office, uh, uh, and glad to see you back in the office this week. Um, you had a rough start to the year uh can you talk about that, Is that <laughs> that's an
3: understatement my friend yes that's i mean an
0: understatement. was it january 1st you were in the plane crash
3: january 2nd i was on a private plane on the way down to the rose bowl when uh we crashed at approximately
0: 200 miles an hour i i'm i'm so glad you're okay it was a tragedy there was uh, I think one life lost two lives lost one life lost somebody seriously injured uh that yeah, must have been terrifying. So that, that,
3: let, let me just say, so the, the, uh, life lost was my good friend and, and client, Mr. Nathan Ricks, one of the best human beings I've ever met. And, uh, he was the pilot and I was sitting in the co-pilot seat, even though I have no experience and didn't need to, right. I was just there for a ride along and it was, uh, a lot life altering experience for me. And, uh, I am grateful to be alive and I'm devastated at the loss of, of Nathan, but, um, Nathan's wife was also with us in the plane. She survived, as well as another WAFET employee. So there were three of us. That were, thankfully, we survived, and uh, unfortunately, Nathan lost his life.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely tragic. Um, and I'm sure you've got a different perspective on things. It was it was pretty recent, uh, you know, only two months ago. But I'm sure you've got a different perspective on things. And I wonder, do you think about that? I mean, obviously, you think about it. Do you? Do you, Can you put that to words?
3: You know, I've I've thought a lot about it. And uh, one one of the things that has changed in terms of my perspective is just the belief in humanity, the outpouring of love and support for me from people that were close to me before and people that I thought were just kind of superficial friends uh, is just been unbelievable to me. We focus so much in today's day and age on what our differences are what our differences are on cryptocurrency, what our differences are on politics, which is all well and good. We have different. That's good. Let, let's have a spirited conversation about it. But let's not forget what we have in common, uh, in which is the humanity we have for each other, the love and caring for each other. And it has literally lifted me up and allowed me to heal quicker than anyone ever expected. I, I was in a wheel wheelchair for the last eight weeks. And a week ago, uh, yesterday was the first time I was able to walk. And So grateful uh, to be alive and to be able to walk and hopefully recover almost full mobility uh, in in the next couple of months. So that's the biggest thing that has changed for me is the desire to focus on what we have in common and not just focus on our differences.
0: And yet we do want to focus on how your bank is different than than Silvergate and uh, Silicon Valley Bank today. Yes. So uh, let me. I'll, are you making any changes today? Ba- you know, based again on this on this news today, or on what might be changing in the lending environment and the deposit environment?
3: No, no, not not, not at all. Right. I mean, we we were very pleased with how we were underwriting loans a week ago, a year ago, and we're, we're, our underwriting has not changed. And likewise, uh, we're we're in the market to bring in deposits from good depositors that are looking for a, a long term place to park their funds. And the really fun thing about Wafed is we've embraced technology. In fact, we have now partnered with Madrona Venture Capital uh, to build a technology subsidiary that makes banking simple, reliable, and fast. And we have technology that people say, wow, I can't, a 105-year-old bank? For example, uh, we have voice authentication. So today, if you went on to online banking, uh, you can send a wire out in online banking And then our system will call you up and say, here's the details of this wire transfer. Do you want to authenticate this with your voice? And that I know of, we're the only bank in the country that has this technology. And the really cool thing about it is, not only is it super convenient for our customers, the level of security is fantastic because it's multi-factor authentication. It has to be your voice from your phone.
0: Well, um, uh, I'm glad you're looking forward. We're glad you're with us um, still. Um, thank God for thank that. You, sir. And, uh, and and we appreciate your time on the drill down podcast, especially in this really important time in the banking world. Uh, Washington Federal CEO, Brent Beardall, thanks so much.
3: Great to be with you. Thank you.
0: Coming up next on the drill down podcast, the Bite. One number about Washington Federal that tells us
1: a whole lot. The drill down is brought to you by Era. With Era, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's Era. A-I-E-R-A.com. And if you like what you're listening to here on the Drill
0: Down Podcast, a special Drill Down Podcast. Hey, it's not special. We do it all the time. Subscribe to the show. Click the follow button on your on your podcast app. That'll make sure you download every
1: single show and you won't miss a single episode. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right,
0: we're back with the Drill Down bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot about Washington Federal. What a conversation, what a day to have it, Isaac. And uh, so interesting about this bank, this bank really has made a big change. Has it grown a lot in the last 10 years? Absolutely. It's grown, it's almost doubled its asset size. It's nearly 21 billion in assets. But one number I want to talk about here is their commercial loan the percentage of their assets that are commercial loans uh, because uh, those were just 16% of assets 10 years ago. They've made a big change in this bank. As you heard a real focus on lending to uh, basically apartment building owners and, and developers. Here's the number, that bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot, 46% of the assets of this bank are commercial loans. So it's a, it's a big is concentration. That, uh, is that a liability, though? Well, if the loans are good, those are those are great assets. I mean, that's the question, right? If rents can stay up, if these if these deals aren't uh, over leveraged, um, it can be great, as we've seen uh, this week, and we haven't seen anything like this in a long time. When banks um, can't manage their balance sheet, um, uh, bad things happen. And even for big banks like Silicon Valley Bank, one of the twenty largest banks in the country, uh, also important, of course, is a concentration. And these guys are really concentrated, uh, almost more than almost any other bank, concentrated on uh, commercial real estate lending. Um, so uh, there's certainly risk there, but there's also uh, could be great reward for them.
1: Well, they've proven that they can manage that risk for sure.
0: Yeah, we wish them a lot of luck with that. And, uh, and safe flying, my goodness, what a, what a harrowing story, not just of banking, but of living. All right, we're glad to have you listen to yeah. the special edition of the Drill Down Podcast. Glad to have you, as always. Hope you stay with us and come back for the next show. Drill Down is produced by Isaac Webster, executive producer, and edited by Ben Wilson, who does an extraordinary job making this thing sound good. The Drill down's a production of the Business Podcast Network.